0: Good morning. It is Monday the 26th of September. Welcome to your morning meeting. Straight over to you, Marcus, with a weekend recap. Yes, thanks, Gigi. Well, anyone who's listened to the pre-market
1: podcast will know fairly shabby session on Wall Street down 486 points. At one point, it was down 826. And the NASDAQ down 1.8%, S&P 500 down 1.7%. And an interesting change, I think, in chatter over Friday was that we seem to have moved Moved on from central bank aggression fears to worrying about recession. And you'll notice that in our market today, resources getting absolutely belted. And it is a bit of a worry. The US dollar, if you notice, went up another 1.6% on Friday. And the Aussie dollar, as we speak, floating around 65 cents, 6509. Westpac last week said that they forecast the Aussie dollar going to 65 cents. At the time, it was 67 cents. It's already there three days later. And this is the point that we're suddenly worrying about recession. The Australian economy is commodity based, so the Australian currency. No one's going to want to buy Australian stocks if the Australian dollar's going down. And I think we're going to start to underperform, having outperformed. The resources sector wasn't too worried about higher interest rates. Most of them are, have got strong balance sheets and hold cash, but they are going to worry about recession. So that's the inflection point, which seems to have happened on Friday. And following on from that, you'll probably see the oil price was down 4.5%, 5.9%. BHP and Rio were down 4.6% and 5.7% in the US. All the metal prices were down 4 to 5%. Suddenly, we're worrying about recession. And not surprisingly, our market taking it harder than the futures suggested on Friday. And at one point today, we were down 120 with the Dow futures down 120 as well. I think we've both, bounced a little bit in the early morning, but Leighton will tell you about that. So yes, recession fears rule was the message from Friday.
0: Thank you very much for that, Marcus. Layton, what are the local markets doing and the brokers saying?
2: Thanks, Chi Chi. Yeah, so as Marcus said, we're getting pretty slammed this morning. We're currently down 132 points. At worst, we've been down 139 and the futures are only down 82 this morning. It's almost double that. And the resources sector is definitely taking it hardest this morning. Just about every stock on the map, as I'm looking, is down over 3%. BHP is down 4%. Rio's down 4.4% and Fortescue Metals down 4.5%. So I'm not looking. Too good in that sector. Gold is also falling over again. We've got Newcrest Mining down 4.9%, Northern Star down 5.5%, and Evolution Mining down 5.5% as well. Energy stocks caught up in the sell-off again. The oil price was down 5%, and coal stocks are getting caught up along with them. Lithium getting sold off as usual. Whenever there's a big sell-off, lithium tends to get caught up in it, and some of the bigger names there. Mineral Resources is down 5%, Pilbara Minerals is down 7.2%. So there's a a bit of damage to the resources sector this morning. Financials aren't doing too bad although they are being sold off a tad. Most of the big four banks are down around 1 to 1.5%. Healthcare and consumer staples are actually trading a little higher this morning. CSL is up 1% and ResMed is up 1.9% and then those consumer staples stocks Woolworths, Coles and Metcash are all in positive territory as well. But the rest of the sectors not looking too bad compared to what the resources sector is doing at the moment. Alltech Index is currently down 0.7%, and Block, REA, and Zero are all trading higher at the moment. Looking at some of the announcements today, there's a bit of movement happening. Sierra Resources is down 14.5% after they provided an update on operations at their Balama site, where they reported there was interruption due to illegal industrial action by a small contingent of local employees and contractors. Costa Group is down 13.2%. So CEO and Managing Director Sean Hallahan has stepped down. Link Administration is down 9.2% after the Dian Durham deal fell through on Friday night, and they've announced a special dividend of 8 cents per share. And Sigma Healthcare is down 6.5% on their first half results. They've announced a dividend of 5 cents per share as well. Looking at the brokers this morning, there's a buy recommendation out on Premier Investments from UBS, and that's ahead of their full year results that are coming out on the 29th of September. September. UBS says that it is anticipating total sales, earnings down 13% year-on-year and net profit also down 13% year-on-year. Despite that though, as I said, the broker has retained its buy recommendation and target price of $23, which is implying about an 8% upside. And that's what I've got for you this morning. Thanks, Chich.
0: Thank you very much for that, Leighton. Henry, welcome back. I'm going to head over to you for your Henry's take.
3: Hi, Chi Chi. Well, thanks. Great to be back, I have to say. I don't know what you've been doing to the market while I've been away, but it doesn't seem to be the same place as when I left it. I have to say, not uh, having a huge handle on things at the moment, but obviously we're not seeing a particularly good day today. Those resources being smashed, coal stocks really being whacked, uh, and good to see some of those lithium stocks coming under pressure as well. Might be a time to uh, to get in there at some stage, but not making any great um, decisions, discussions really as yet. Just going to play myself in. but. Uh, Safe to say, one of the big stories, I guess, in the last month has been the rise of this US dollar. And and I have to say, you know, when, you, when you're in Europe at the moment with the euro parity with the US dollar, there are Americans everywhere. And it does seem as if Liz Truss and the UK government is determined to make the US dollar parity with the pound as well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that one happen. But you can see when you go to some of these countries at the moment, the inflation that we talk about, it is writ large, especially in the UK, you can really see it showing up in prices in the UK not so much in supermarkets which are still pretty competitive and still remarkably cheaper than our supermarkets in fact uh, by a substantial amount so the duopoly is working nicely for coals and woolies but certainly looking at uh, the UK that is going to have a seriously bad winter I suspect and even while we were in Europe we did see train strikes from Italian train drivers we saw French air traffic controllers on strike so I think that's going to be certainly something that we're going to see it's going to be back to the 80s for Europe especially uh, new government in Italy and a new government in the UK. It's going to be interesting, but no great uh, insights as yet. Hopefully uh, get my head around what's happening in the next day or so.
0: Thank you very much for that, Henry. Marcus, let's head over to you for your strategy and ideas. Thanks, Chi-Chi.
1: And yes, welcome back, Henry. Glad to see Henry has taken on my curse, which is whenever he goes on holiday, the market falls over. We're holding a couple of ETFs geared to the downside in the S&P and NASDAQ, and we're up 15 and 16% in 12 days on those two. Pat on the back to us. If, Henry, you can go on holiday again, maybe we'll get 30% out of these things. We'll see. But the strategy is pretty much the same, obviously, as it was at the weekend. And that is, we don't hold anything in the strategy portfolio at the moment, we are in 100% cash. But today, this development of moving from worrying about central bank aggression and interest rates to worrying about recession does tend to suggest, as I said, that the resources sector is going to come in for it, we have held up relatively well to a market selling off on interest rate fears, because in the US, you saw technology selling down hard, and that's 30% of their market. Of course, if we start worrying about recession, interest rate fears are going to dissipate a little bit. You sort of saw that the 10-year bond yield in the US on Friday, the bond yield actually fell a little bit for the first time in a while as recession fears appeared. Uh, And on that basis, technology was one of the better performing, it was outperforming, it still fell, but one of the better performing sectors, suddenly these interest rate sensitive sectors will start to outperform a little bit. And these cyclical recession vulnerable sectors like resources are going to start underperforming. So I'm thinking at the moment, I'll do the ideas portfolio as well. Now, I'm thinking that maybe we should add an Australian uh, ETF geared to the downside to our ideas portfolio, We're only holding exposures to a falling S and P 500 and Nasdaq, but you might just find the Australian market starts to underperform now. If nobody wants to hold the Australian dollar because it's falling away, then no one's going to want to hold Australian equities either. So, as I say, we might start to underperform. We, we like Canada, have a commodities-based economy and currency, and no one's going to want a bar of it if we're suddenly transitioning to recession fears from interest rate fears. Anyway, you can read about that. At, uh, in the strategy piece today, the ideas portfolio, as I say, we've got SNAS and Bbuzz, BBUS, that is, and I might just add BBOZ. I'll have a think about it to exploit the Australian market fall because I think it will probably accelerate right now if things carry on as they are. Of course, at some point we are setting up for a fabulous buying opportunity. It could come at any time, any morning, but it's clearly not this morning. When it does come, a whole load of of indicators are going to change direction at the same time. At the moment, they're all going in the wrong direction. But you'll see bond yields peak, the US dollar peak, the Aussie dollar bottom, metal prices bottom, commodity prices generally bottom. And it's all going to happen at the same time. But clearly, it's not happening yet. And if you were to look at the RSI buy signals in the ASX 200 or the S&P 500 or any market at the moment, the sell signals are still largely outweighing the buy signals. At some point, there will be a huge night on Wall Street. There will be 1,000 RSI buy signals compared to sell signals. The US dollar will come off the top. Commodity price will bottom, and it'll be game on. But clearly, that isn't today. So for now, cash in the strategy portfolio and ETFs geared to the downside in the ideas portfolio portfolio will do
0: us. Thank you very much for that, Marcus. Can you also fill us in on the technical trading section as well of the newsletter?
1: Ah, yes, of course. Stuart has written his Monday technical section, which tends to focus on one stock. And today he's looked at computer share. Have a look at that. It's more an education about support and resistance levels. But computer share has hugely outperformed the market because it benefits from higher interest rates. And you'll see how a technical analyst looks at levels and what they are on computer share. And clearly, at some point, computer share, when the market tips over, when... Interest rates come off the top. Computer share is going to be the first stock you sell because it's done so well whilst interest rates are coming have been coming up. So you can see the support level there on the chart, and if it drops through that, then it's a fa- fairly good indication uh, that the game is over in computer share. The interesting bit he has introduced today, though, and I've given you a link to it, is he is a disciple of Sam Weinstein's "Secrets for Profiting in Bull and Bear Markets," a book from 1988. But if you have a look at it, if you Google that, you will see that Weinstein set this culture called stage analysis. There are four stages to a price movement. And you're constantly as a technical analyst identifying which stage you're in. And we visit that and provide a link to an explanation about that in the trading section today.
0: Thank you very much for that, Marcus. And I'm going to throw it back to you for the question of the day.
1: Yes, question of the day. Interesting one today. We have just looked up the flights for booking me to go up to meet Henry to go to FinFest, which is the Equity Mate's financial festival on October fifteenth. And the airfare on Qantas to fly up there return is now a thousand dollars. A thousand dollars. So the question of the day is at what price for an airfare would you drive from Melbourne to Sydney or Sydney to Melbourne? And I think Leighton you can start this one because you had a bit of an experience of this.
2: I sure can. So we went up to Sydney for the preliminary final and we we're going to fly up, but ended up getting a rental car up there because return flights were pushing up towards $2,000 that weekend. People were still paying it, but we ended up paying, I think, around $700 for the rental car. And then our return flights back home, we got for $200. So it was about three dollars $400 there, but I don't think I'd pay any more than that. Thank you. And Chi Chi?
0: I think I'm going to be there with Layton on those pricings. I wouldn't fly for anything more than what Layton paid for it. Those prices are very much pushing the tipping scale of what I would pay for for flights in general to anywhere. (laughs) Henry? I have
3: to say, I've just looked at Jetstar because I've got to come down to Melbourne for a small cap conference. Didn't look too bad, although I haven't looked in great depth. I guess it depends on what time and what day you fly. But I quite like the drive from Sydney to Melbourne. I've done it many times and it's allowed me to do a few driving holidays around Victoria, which is absolutely beautiful. The thing that does occur is when you spend time in Europe, you realise how wonderful the trains are. You go on an Italian train that's going 320 kilometres an hour and where you go on one of trains in Australia and it will take you days to get somewhere so we do need some fast trains as an alternative to that but certainly paying a thousand bucks to get to Melbourne and back does seem way over happy to drive nine hours talking books and a great reason to uh to, to listen to some great podcasts one of Marcus's perhaps
1: yes I was listening to a Bill Bryson book on the history of Australia and he talked about how in the UK you're always driving to get somewhere and it's stressful and you've got someone up the back of you and you're up the back of someone else whereas in Australia with the seventh lowest population density in the world beaten only by I think Namibia driving is actually a pleasure where you want to hang your your arm out of the window and smile at a shopkeeper as you go past it's a, a different experience in Australia because of the traffic density and I, feel, I think it so depends on, of course, what car you're in these days and whether you enjoy driving. I would very happily get on my brand new BMW, which arrives late October, and ride my way to Sydney and take my time. Uh, but I do think we are in a period where airfares, if they are going to get to $1,000, it's just going to die. by
2: Zoom shares. I think Henry had some pretty choice <laughs> words for Alan Joyce in his Henry's take this morning as well about the quality of his Qantas flight.
3: Well, I have to say, having flown with Mr. Joyce's flagship QF1 to London, stopping in Singapore and comparing it to their flight sharing code with Emirates. Emirates was so much better. Alan Joyce's Qantas was pretty below average, very Jetstar experience, which is fine if you're only flying to Melbourne for an hour. But if you're stuck on a plane for 23 and a half hours with limited leg room, limited entertainment and pretty dodgy food. Sorry, Mr. Joyce, but you need to do better.
0: I concur with you, Henry. Emirates is fantastic. It's great. Yeah,
3: Especially for those Absolutely. long-haul
0: flights a better experience for sure
3: oh better food better entertainment the seats were comfy better leg room fantastic. The flight attendants were better good. as well all about yeah yep.
0: well i think that brings us to a close for our morning meeting again welcome back henry Uh we will see you back here
2: tomorrow thank you, Thanks, guys. Thank you. guys thank you see you later